Welcome to Momentum Church. This series that we've been getting into the last few weeks, this is week three, it's been on the idea of living life so that you'll never be the same. Never, everybody say never the same. And we've been looking at four guiding principles that if we'll embrace, we will truly have lives that are lived differently. They'll be lived the way Jesus wants us to live them, and and, and, and our lives will never be the same. These principles are flowing out of what I've been calling our compass culture. Because not pastor, all of us in this room, there's a mandate on each of you to guide people to more in life through Jesus. If you're a believer, that's the mandate on you. Amen? Amen. But today's my first day at Momentum. All right, well, from today forward, you're family. And that's the mandate on you, to help guide people to more in life through Jesus. But if we're going to guide people, we need a compass. And so the first week, we begin to look at nothing is impossible with God and what that means. That's the north in our compass. The next week was standing firm in truth. Last week, as we looked at the word of God and being people who stand firm, committed to God's word. That's the S. The week, this week, we're getting ready to go into the E, which is experiencing more, which I'll explain that in a minute, but I want to go back before going forward just for one reason. I want to give all y'all a practical way to do the first two, all right, to, to that nothing is impossible with God, to celebrate that fully, and then to move in standing firm in truth. Pastor, what are you talking about? I'm talking about baptism. If you're here today and you have never been baptized, all right, or maybe you were baptized as a child, you were sprinkled. Man, I'm telling you right now, I honor the faith of your mom and dad for sprinkling you when you were a child. It's beautiful. They loved you so much that they sprinkled you. Isn't that good? Some of them, they should have choked you, but they, they sprinkled you. But now you're an adult and you've come to faith in Christ on your own, an act of your volition. And Jesus would say that you're supposed to be baptized. He even gave the mandate to his followers. He said, go forth, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that would presuppose that disciples aren't disciples unless they're baptized. Go forth, make disciples, baptizing them. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So I'm not saying you're not a Christ follower. I'm just saying, do you want to be a disciple? Do you want to step up in the obedience of what Christ has called you to do? It's time. If you've never been baptized, get baptized. And we're going to do it next Sunday. If you've been saying for all these years, Ross, it's one of those things to where um, um, I don't like talking in front of people. We won't make you talk. Well, I don't want to stand in front of people. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> we will make you stand there. I don't want to get wet. You're going to get wet. But here's the thing about the third thing I said, that experiencing more, check this out. The baptism of waters is a place of obedience. And in life, I've always seen this to be true, that when you walk in obedience, it opens you to the doors of what God has next for you. And I have seen the baptism of waters be a place where God has healed people, I've seen it be the place where people have been filled with the Holy Spirit. I've seen it be the place where ministry gifts have been released. I can even remember years ago baptizing a very fair, remember Christy, a very fair girl who had MS. And we were outside in Ohio. It's always gloomy, most of the time. The, the, the saying around my town is, welcome to sunny Mansfield. They say it on the radio, it's never sunny. Always gloomy. And we had a baptism and it was gloomy. And toward the end of the baptism, we're baptizing Christy. 
And as I take her under the water and I bring her up, the sun came through. We were at Dr. Atkins' house. The sun came through and shone on her. She's fair-haired, red-headed, or fair-skinned, red-headed. And it shone, and there's a picture of me going. Because <laughs> she was glow. Ha, 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 ha. Hey, won't he do it? <laughs> yes, he will. No, sir. Who played? Who was doing that? They did that to me in the first service. That cracks me up. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? All right, so long story short, he gets healed. She gets healed. And literally, she got baptized, but she got healed that day of MS. And she ended up having two kids. She couldn't sing in the choir anymore. Now she's a worship pastor. Won't Jesus do it? Yes, he will. And so all I'm getting at is baptism is a great expression of even the first three things that we're learning. And so if you haven't been baptized, let's do that next Sunday. You can sign up, and it gives you some teachings when you sign up on the meaning of baptism. And that way we can be sure you understand it and everything. All right? So let's get into experiencing more. In 1991, it was the fall, and it was about six months after high school. And all through, as a kid, I felt called to be a pastor since I was about 10 years old. When I was 13, I was in a service, and I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, I spoke in tongues. It was all that weird stuff. It was awesome as a 13-year-old kid. Kept me out of a lot of trouble. Amen? And then I go, and my dad would let me at times speak, and I would speak just little short times here and there throughout my teenage years. And then as I got older as a teenager, you had two major ministries that had moral failure in our country. I won't say their names. If I did, you would know them. And when that happened, I'll just be honest. I was kind of a cut up as a kid. I know it's hard for you to believe. And I was always in trouble, right? And so when that happened, I thought, and I mean, I was a decent kid, but I just was always in trouble. I couldn't keep myself straight for nothing. And when that happened, I remember thinking, how can I go in ministry when these two guys can't keep it together? Ain't no way I'll keep it together. And so when I graduated high school, I started running from God because I thought if I could run far enough, he would lift the call, the purpose he had off of my life. And so I would run. And running meant I began to get involved with some sin. I'm not going to go through all the stuff. But I started to run. And by November, just shy, just like right around that October, November time frame, man, I was empty. I just knew, what am I doing? I have seen God at work. I have seen the more so much that I can tell what I'm seeing at this party is less. I've seen the more so much at an altar ministry where blind eyes were open. Can remember one of the most amazing times of seeing a black woman. Her eyes were opaque with blindness. And I was standing right over here playing bass about as far as this from Ray, right there. And those opaque eyes I could see with my own eyes. And they prayed for. And all of a sudden she went to screaming and running. And that place went ballistic. As she got her eyesight back. I had seen things like that. So now I'm backslidden, and I'm like, what am I doing? So I'm in my room, and I repent. I'm almost 19 years old. I repent, and I ask God, refill me with your Holy Spirit. He did. He came in, touched me. Next thing I know, I am like messed up from the chest up. Have you, I mean, have you ever been just touched by God so significantly? Like you just, <gasps> you know, and it's not about emotionalism. It was just God getting a hold of me in that moment. And when it was all done that night, I felt like the Lord said to me, to be a Christ follower means you do my will. And my will for you is to be a preacher. Man, God, I don't want to do that. I just so much self-doubt, always self-doubt. I was enrolled as pre-vet med. I'm going to go save dogs, not people, you know. But I finished that semester out, and 
man, by March, this guy asked me to come work at his church as an intern. Y'all, I'm doing some crazy stuff in October, and I'm talking March of 92, and it was just the weirdest thing. But what happened was, God had separated me to himself in that season, had begun to do an anointing that wasn't my own because I was young and dumb, but God started to enable me with his power. I started to experience more there in that room, and that more carried me over and over and over again. And I'd like to say that I still at times feel undone, but 32 years later, that more is still carrying me. The Holy Spirit is still carrying me, Amen. And I just want the same kind of thought for you, that you can experience more. And and what we've looked at is that idea of nothing is impossible. That's an adventure in faith. The idea of the, 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 the scriptures that we're supposed to stand firm in the truth, that's an adventure in the word. I want to take you through this, this experiencing more. It's an adventure in God's presence and into his purpose. It's what it is. And that's what I experienced at 19. When I went to work at that church, It was just the start of an adventure of his presence and his purpose. And sometimes I've pressed in and sometimes I haven't. And sometimes I've seen more of his purpose and sometimes I've seen less. It's never been on him. It's always been on me. Amen. So all I'm saying is as a church body, I want us to move into experiencing more. When I say more, what do I mean? I've told you before, more of God, more from God, and more for God. More of more from and more for. Well, Pastor Ross, you can't get more of God. You are absolutely right. That's why the word is experiencing more. I'm not saying you're getting more. He doesn't partition himself. But as you die out to flesh, as you begin to die out to self, you start to experience him at higher and deeper levels. And so that's why I'm saying experience more. And so the reason why that's so important is the mandate God gave me for this house this year, and today's going to play into this. This experiencing more part of our compass culture is going to play into that three-part mandate, and that's going to be our outline today for our teaching. But I told you it's to be aware of God's presence. In 2023, I want to do a better job as your pastor, helping you to be aware of God's presence. What is that? That's more of God. Number two, in tune with God's purpose. I want us to be in tune with this purpose. That's doing more for God. And then finally, enabled by his power, I want you all to walk with more from God. Amen? I want him to pour into you what he has for you. And so that's what we're looking at. And so I want you to stand to your feet as we look at God's word this morning. And we're going to look into Ephesians. Go to chapter 3. We're going to look at what I'm calling a theology of more. A theology of more. It says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven or on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. That he may grant you to be strengthened with what? With power. Power is the key here. God wants us to have power. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have Strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Everybody say all. all. And say fullness. fullness. Say filled. filled. Say filled with all fullness. Verse 20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work in us. I have to stop there. 
That power is at work in us. I, I thought God was the power. It is, but he chooses for his power to be at work in us and through us. That's heavy, guys. That's called co-laboring. That, that means that Jesus had always intended, God had always intended to create a partnership that his power could work in and through us. It's never been different. Even when the Father was using the flesh of Jesus, if you will, he was submitted to Jesus, to Father, and then he would say, I, not I, but I do what the Father wills me to do. It's always been this partnership between deity and flesh. Amen? And now he's inviting you to that. So there's a responsibility to embrace. And here's what happens when that power that works within us works. It says, to him be glory in the church. God gets glory. Glory shows up. Presence of God shows up. Good things begin to happen in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just ask that you would allow your Holy Spirit to set upon this house. We invite your presence, Lord God, to enable your people Lord, we realize the things about our life that are undone, and we bring them to your altar. We realize those things that need empowered, and we ask for your strength. God, we ask for your anointing. Lord, this house is reserved for you and what you desire to do in and through us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You can go ahead and have your seat. So we can see this, that he has a desire to bring a fulfillment. I looked up in the scripture, the word fullness. I looked up full. I looked up more. It's everywhere. God loves to fill things. He loves the fullness aspect. And so I begin to look at this idea of what I want to call a theology of being filled. What does the word fill mean? If we're going to get more, this is empty. It needs, everybody say more. More. Yeah, so what does fill mean? To, to fill this. To be filled, it means to put into as much as can be held or contained. I like that. How many wants to have as much as you can contain of what God has for you? I like that. A full supply. Fill means this. A quantity that satisfies. And some of you, your religious experience with God doesn't satisfy. It's because you're not going after God. Something, you're going after some pretext of religion, but it looks like to me the fullness of God satisfies. So here's some scripture that just to build this theology of more. Psalm 72, 19, blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Everybody say amen and amen. amen. God wants to fill the earth. He wants to fill this house with his glory, his manifest presence. Amen. Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. Man, at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. How many ever experienced the fullness of joy from the Lord? Have you ever had a time where you just were seeking him in prayer? And next thing you know, I'm just throwing this out because this has happened before. I, I just got, kind of got the giggles, you know? I just like, oh, ha, 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 oh, oh, Jesus. Just by myself, just there sitting in my chair, just, oh, Lord, you're so good. And just get like, like, like my stomach is like cramping up. I'm not saying I'm chasing that. I'm just saying like, God, what are you doing here? And he's bringing his joy to me in the midst of seasons that may have been joyless. He's causing me to be joyful. Man, I love it. That theology of more. Psalm 107, 9, for he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. He fills, he brings more to that hungry soul. Psalm 81, verse 10, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. That's silly. That's the picture I got though. 
Just like, oh, God, I fill my mouth. Just give me whatever you have, like a bird, like a bird to his mom. Just, I'm just hungry, Lord, fill my mouth. And whatever it is. But here's what happened with that nation. They were disobedient, the next few verses say. And they say that he, they didn't listen to the voice of God, the one who had brought them up out of Egypt. They didn't listen to them. And they didn't follow in his ways. But he's so good, the last verse, he brings back the promise again that if they would, if they just would have a hunger for the things of God, he would feed you with the finest of the wheat and with honey from the rock, he says, I would satisfy you. I would satisfy you. Man, it's a theology of more. More of his presence, more of who he is, more from him, more for him, more of him, amen? And so I want that to be a part of this house because I believe God wants his people to move in more. I believe he did when he left the earth and he mandated his disciples to follow after him. And I believe that mandate has not ended to this day. So I want to kind of go backwards. Let's turn your Bibles to Acts chapter four. And like I said, we're going to use that outline. We're going to start off with aware of God's presence, looking at more of God. And in the story that we're going to look at, you know, you have the day of Pentecost. People are touched by the power of God. They go out and begin to minister. Then by the time you get to Acts 3, you have Peter and John. They're at the gate, beautiful. And there's a man that has been lame since birth. He's about 40 years old. And Peter and John are walking by, and the man is asking for alms. Peter and John say, silver and gold, we have not. But what we have, we give to you freely. Rise up and walk. And this man jumps up. In other words, the healing power of Jesus touched this man. Isn't that awesome? And so he goes into the portico. He's all excited. He's telling everybody what's going on. He runs into the temple. He's shouting. And, um, and I mean, I would too if I'd been paralyzed for 40 years. And so what ends up happening is they bring Peter and John and the others into the council, and they rebuke them soundly for ministering in the name of Jesus. Peter begins to preach a message, kind of like he did on the day of Pentecost, of repentance, and that inflames them even more. And they begin to tell him that you cannot preach in the name of Jesus anymore, or we're going to bring punishment. And he just lets them know, we cannot help but speak the things of God. In other words, the Holy Spirit's doing such a work, he's doing such a work in me, I can't help it but come out of me. And so this is where they leave them. They threaten them and they leave. And now Peter and John, a few of the other leaders, they all get together in another room. This isn't the time of Pentecost. This is after that. And they all get together in another room. And that's where we come to see where we're at right now. I want you to see this because I want you to see how in the face of their persecution, how they ran after the awareness of God. Let me ask you, you may be going through persecution. It may not be this kind of persecution, but going through hard times that at times will cause us to distance ourselves from God rather than to go toward the things of God. I've been there before, feeling upset and bitter and frustrated, and I pull away from God rather than draw near to him. And so these people are going through persecution, and in verse 23 of Acts 4, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders said to them. And when they heard it, they got mad and crawled into a bed and were depressed for days on end. No, it doesn't say that. When they heard it, they ran out and tried to get a lot of people to come against the authorities and let's, let's pick it. No, they didn't say that. Watch what happens. They lifted their voices together to God. 
They realize in that moment, we've got to have a greater awareness of God in this moment. This is time for us to draw again close to God. And so they drew their minds and hearts toward God, their voices together, and they said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. And they began to pray and to seek after God. That's what the first thing they did. They made room for the presence of the Lord. Bruce Wilkinson said, to make room for the kind of abundance God created for us, we must first cut away parts of our lives that drain precious time and energy from what's truly important. There are times in our life we go through things and we stop making room for the presence and power of God. And I want to encourage you, as your pastor, we're making room here at this house, amen? That God might have his way with us. I love this next saying here, that, that, that the idea of awareness of God, there might be people in this room right now, you're like, I don't believe in God. I would classify myself as an atheist. And I want you to know, man, I'm glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here if you're an atheist. And I'm not saying this in, a, in an ugly way. I want you to hear what I'm saying. I think you'll, you'll catch my drift. You know, there are no atheists in life. There are no atheists. There are only those who know or don't know the God they serve. Do you catch that? If you're an atheist, we all serve something. Bob Dylan told us that. God to serve something. Everybody serves something. So when it comes down to it, every one of us in this room have a God. I'm not saying it is the God uh, Yahweh that we sang of, but I'm just saying that all of us prioritize. And so we need to be God's people that prioritize him and become aware of him. Technically, we don't get more of God, but we do experience more of God. We experience the more of God. That is what's called awareness. All right? Awareness. And I just want to challenge you. What are you aware of? What God in your life are you aware of? Are there little gods that we're more aware of, we make more room for, we have more time for, than we do God Almighty? What are we aware of? Awareness is this. It's the knowledge or perception of a person, a situation, or a fact. And I just want us to begin to have a deeper perception of the presence of God, both in our services and in our, in our homes. Amen? The second thing, we're going to grow aware. Second thing, we want to be in tune with God's purpose. To me, being in tune with God's purpose, that's more for God. We're looking at experiencing more. More of, more for. In tune with his purpose. Watch what it says in Acts 4, 29, 30. This is that they've prayed, they've sought God in the middle of their persecution. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. In other words, touch us so that we might be able to do what you desire us to do. That we might be able to to move forward in the purpose you've called us to. That we can speak with all boldness. Verse 30, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And so in that moment, they asked for God to touch them in such a way that they would be able to stay on purpose. And the twofold purpose was speaking boldly, and then you saw it was signs, wonders, and healings. And can I just be really honest with you? I have, in my life in ministry through the years, at times I have pulled back away from the ministry of healing, signs, and wonders. And I think the reason why at times is one of those things to where every one of us at times have felt. What if it doesn't happen? Well, what if it does? You know, when it comes down to it, you're going to see more miracles for the miracles you pray for than the ones you don't. 
And the last few months, I've just been sensing the spirit of God saying, just step back out in faith. Just believe for more and put the onus on me. And, if, and, and, and don't worry about it. Just learn and grow and keep moving forward. And so that's what I feel like the mandate on the church is still the same mandate. That we're to preach with boldness, his word, and we're to see signs and wonders and healings. Here's the problem. There's a danger in our church. There's people right here sitting here right now. Like, I don't think Jesus does that anymore. Well, hold on. There's a danger in the church. And I'm going to call it practical atheism. Listen, practical atheists, people who have a belief in God, but approach a problem the same way an atheist would without a miracle working God at the center of their answer. I don't want to be that church. I don't want to be a church of practical atheists. I want to be a church that walks up in here with a sense of expectation that nothing is impossible with God. I want to be that church that says, your word says it. If it says it in the word, it can do it. You can do it in my house. I want to be that person that says, but we can't do it alone. No, we can't. So enable us with your power. We need more of your presence to come. Amen. You want to go after it with me? You want to chase after God? What God has? They'll mess things up, mess you up, mess me up. Mess our city up. Mess up your marriage. It needs to mess up your marriage. To fix your marriage, to heal your marriage, amen? I can remember times in revival in the past, just seeking God and experiencing his revival, that sense of his spirit. And man, Amy, things would come undone in our lives because God's at work and he's shaping us. And man, there were some amazing times in our bedroom where, where like, like she just got prophetic with me, you know? Like kind of like, like tell me boldly the things I need to grow in. And I received it because we're in a spirit of, of revival. What God was doing, I could receive that. Mm-hmm. So in Ephesians 3.20, this idea of having this expectation of a miracle-working God, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. Who asks or thinks? We do. He's able, but he waits on us to ask or think. Then it goes even further to, to mess, us, mess us up. Then we ask or think according to the power at work within him. No. What's it say? According to the power at work within We have a responsibility. Jesus wants to be the same yesterday, today, and forever. He wants to be the same healer, the same deliverer, the same demon caster outer. It's not a word. <laughs> And he only has one body, and it's us. He doesn't have another body in the earth. It's us. And I want us to line up with who he is. Amen? And be empowered by him. I want us to say, okay, God, I am ready for not just fullness. I am ready for overflow. I'm ready for more. I'm ready for whatever you have, God. Pour it out, Jesus. Amen? Filled and over. Everybody shout overflowing. That's what I want in my life, and I want it for the lives of my church people. Amen? Not that you're my church people. Well, yeah, you are. I'm not saying that in ownership. No, I, I, you are. I'll take responsibility. I love you. I want that for us. To walk in his overflow. If we're going to do that, we have to have an understanding of God's power at work in us. And so there are two words for power in Scripture that you're going to have to understand. And this is going to help you become responsible, but also it's going to take a little bit of the burden off. So on one side, responsible. On the other side, relieved. Amen? And so here are the two words. They're exousia. Say exousia. And say dunamis. Exousia. 
and dunamis. In Matthew 28, 17, verse 20 through 20, we see Jesus speaking of exousia. And Jesus came and said to them, all exousia, all authority in heaven, or all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the ends of the age." There is authority upon Jesus. We'll see in a little bit how he gives that authority to the believer. And that's the word exousia. It means a privilege. It means delegated influence. It means authority, a jurisdiction, power, a right. Jeremy, can you come up here? You don't have your badge on you, do you? No, I didn't think so. Come up here. So Jeremy is a policeman, Woodstock City. And he just, got a, he just got an incredible reward, or award, and he'd hate for us to talk about it, so we won't, but it was incredible, so we're proud of you. <laughs> Jeremy, as an officer, has delegated influence, delegated authority, jurisdiction, all right? And it is symbolized in a badge, all right? That's how it is with us as believers. When we become believers, God gives us exousia, the authority, the right to move on his behalf as his representative. Amen? When he does what he does in, 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 in our city, he's the law. We're in the South. We even call it that. The law. Right? <laughs> you can go sit. Thank you. The law. That badge represents the law. It represents everything backing him. That's what the badge represents. But Jesus doesn't just leave us with exousia. Watch what happens. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you, verse John, verse 20 and 21. Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, another passage that's talking about this experience is verse Luke 9, chapter Luke, the book, Luke chapter 9, verse 1 through 3. And he called the 12 together and gave them power and authority. Do you see both? Over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. Sounds very much like it's a part of the ministry that Jesus had, right? And now he's blowing and the Holy Spirit's coming upon them in a very unique, very special way. Well, that power and authority is both dunamis power and authority exousia. So what's dunamis? Dunamis is miraculous power. It usually is the implication of a miracle itself. It's dynamite is where we get the word dynamite. Dunamis, it's power. And so what that is, you have the authority. That's like the police officer's badge. But if Jeremy says to you, stop in the name of the law. Look at my badge. And that's where it ends. I bet you've had some people run. But when he says, stop or I'll shoot. That's different. Probably less people run, right? I mean, like instantly. Why? Because you have exousia. That's the authority. But you also have power. That's the Glock. <laughs> or your gun of choice, whatever. <laughs> right? That's, that's the power. So you need both. Jesus knows that, and he gives us, to this, to, gives us that. And so in the early disciples, before Jesus left, and sent the Holy Spirit, he breathed on them. And it was, it looks like it's momentarily. It looks like it's a special anointing for the task at hand. But then he tells them to go wait in the city because he's going to send the Holy Spirit upon them. Verse 
4 through 5, Acts chapter 1. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So he challenges his disciples to go to the upper room, to wait for him in Jerusalem. And 120, as you know the story, they're up in the upper room. He told them this. Why are they, gonna, why are they supposed to wait? In Acts 1.8, he says, because you will receive power, dunamis, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you so that you can shout, run, dance. No. I was raised up around that. And I love that. If you all want to shout, dance, run, go for it. That's not what it was about. So you will receive power to be my witness. Witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and the uttermost parts of the earth. There's a purpose. It's more of God, more from God, so that we can walk in doing more. Everybody shout for God. Yeah, there's a purpose there. And so he challenged them to go and wait, and they're obedient to that challenge. Now let's go down to Acts 1, 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled, there's that word filled, it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. I love what Dwight Moody said. He said, God commands us to be filled with the Spirit, and if we're not filled, it's because we are living beneath our privileges. We're living beneath the authority that God has given us. He's given us the authority. He's given us the privilege to live and to walk up into the power that he has for us so that we can be glorified. No, so that the glory can be seen in the church, so the glory can be seen and honor can be given to Jesus. So being filled is our privilege. This is awesome, though. And moving in his power is promised to those who are filled. It's our privilege. And as we move in that privilege, God fills us with his, his power. It says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witness. What is a witness? A witness is a person who sees an event take place. A witness is one who shows evidence or proof. And all I want to say is God wants us to do a better job of being a witness. And that doesn't mean knocking on a door, hi there, I'd like to tell you about Jesus. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying in your everyday life, can people see the power of God at work in you? In your everyday life, can people see Jesus through your life as you live your life for him? And you know what? If we'll create opportunities to be filled today, when this service is over and we go back into worship, we're going to create an opportunity for us just to be filled. If we can create opportunities for us to be filled and then go out and allow ourselves to be overflowed by his presence into the lives of others, oh, we'll never be short of a testimony. We'll never be short of a witness. We'll never be short of a stories of hope. Amen? And that's what God's calling us to as a, as a, as a body. <clears throat> And so what I want to do, I want to invite you to do something. This is fun. And then we're going to get back in and finish the, the teaching and then go into worship. So just a couple more minutes. Um, back in the fall, I had this idea. And this idea really, really works well with all three things that we're looking at the last three weeks. And it works well with nothing is impossible with God. Creating an opportunity for us to see God do something significant in, in and through us. It, it, we're going to stand firm on the word. Because there's no way we're stepping out to do what I'm going to explain to you if you're not standing firm in the word. And then three, we're, we got to experience more of God. And you're like, well, Ross, what is this? It is a harebrained idea that I have. I'm just being honest. This fall, I begin to think about that idea that I'm tired of David's ar or Saul's armor 
and I want David sling. I told you about that on January 1st. And I'm just like, God, I, I just want, how do we take a chance on you when it comes to prayer? Like, how do we create an opportunity just to take a chance, just to position ourselves? You know, I mean, all David was doing was carrying cheese to his brothers. And next thing you know, in that real life time, he hears this opportunity. Oh, my God can do something about this. And he takes a chance. And God does this amazing miracle we still talk about today. And so this thought came, and we began to talk about it. I'm going to throw this up on the screen. And I, Brantley and I were just kind of talking and dreaming about this. Is it possible, and I know it's weird, I got staff that like it, I got staff that don't like it. I don't care. <laughs> there's people in the room liking it, and there's people in the room going, oh, heck no, I ain't ever wearing that. That's fine. I'm okay with that. Here's the thing. Is it possible, what would happen if I wore a shirt or you wore a shirt one day a week, and you're just out, and somebody sees it? Is the sovereign God able to link somebody with a need with somebody with an answer? Hmm. Is it possible? I think it's not just possible. I think it's probable. And I just want to see it. Remember that idea of nothing is impossible. It's an adventure in faith. I just want to go on an adventure of faith. Who knows at the end of this year what testimonies we might have. Well, Pastor Ross, how does it work? Okay. Today, take your phone, scan that or the little thing on the bottom of your seat there and go in and sign up for a shirt. It's not going to cost you anything. But I'm not going to spend God's money buying 150, 200 shirts, and they sit in a drawer. If you want to go forward with this, you get a shirt, all right? Buy it. Then you may say to yourself, Ross, that's scary, because I don't have a clue how to pray for people. All right, this is awesome. We're going to take those that sign up for the shirts, and we're going to have a little time after church here in a few weeks, a couple weeks, and just have a time of training. What's it look like to pray for people out in public, and it's not weird? And we're not telling you, hey, we're going to take 20 of us and go to the mall. And just, well, that's not, no, no, no. I'm just saying you wearing your shirt. And who knows what God will do. You're standing in line and, hey, I see your shirt. I do have a prayer need. And we'll tell you what to do from that point, okay? I just, I just want to see what God might do. How many's with me? Like, I ain't raising my hand because they're going to put a shirt on me. No, I get it. I get it. Now here, I will say this. There are people on my team, my staff, that it's just so outside their personality. And they're like, Ross, I pray for people, but that would be outside my personality. And I'm like, okay. And then if you feel that way, that's fine. There are others of you that are thinking that, but you feel God trying to stretch you. All I'm saying is be obedient to God. I'm not saying the other person's not being obedient. They're being true to who God's created them to be, and they minister in different ways. Amen? But if God's trying to stretch you, let him stretch you. Does that make sense? All right, so sign up today, and we'll be getting those shirts and getting more information to you. I'm just excited to be able to disciple those who are signing up, and so we'll go from there. All right, so with that idea, <laughs> um, we need to be able to walk in the power of, of God, obviously, with these t-shirts. I mean, you need the power of God to come, and so um, whenever the disciples didn't get spiritual breakthrough, when that didn't happen, they were accustomed to asking Jesus why. And he would explain to them, sometimes you need to fast and pray in your pursuit. Sometimes, in other words, some realms in God will not be brought to us. They must be pursued. Does that make sense? So some of these miracles are only going to happen through fasting and prayer, Jesus said. In other words, what are you pursuing? How are you living differently? How are you chasing after the things of God? And I believe there's some things God wants to bring us into that we've got to pursue him. Being filled and experiencing more of God, more from God, and more for God is a privilege that we get to walk in. But we have to expect that we walk in obedience 
to the command to tarry if we're going to see his presence unfold. If they had to tarry on the day of Pentecost, we have to tarry at times too. That idea of just waiting upon him and asking and seeking him. And then out of that place of seeking him, there's an enablement of his power. Let's close with Acts 4, verse 29 through 31. Again, look upon their threats. Grant to your servants to continue to speak your words with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant. And when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So we saw in this passage of scripture that the people of God were touched when they were breathed upon by Jesus. His disciples went out and ministered. Then he filled them on, Acts, on, on the day of Pentecost. But now this group of people, they're seeking another fresh filling. There's nothing wrong with seeking fresh fillings from the Lord so that we might walk in boldness. That word in the Greek is pleru. Playru, to be filled, playru, and it means to be completely filled or totally controlled. If somebody is filled with anger, they're controlled by anger. God wants us to be filled with the Spirit, controlled by His Spirit. And I believe that can come as we ask Him to touch us with His power. The disciples, they were given the exousia, the authority, and then we saw them given the dunamis, the power as well. Let's stand to our feet, everybody. We're going to go back into worship. In the Great Commission, he was, they were given the authority to go, but then on the day of Pentecost, they were given the power to move in. We need both. And so today, I want us to be challenged to empty our hearts. Lord, fill us with what you desire. Create capacity for what he wants today. A.W. Tozer said, before you can be filled with the Spirit, you must desire to be filled. God, fill me today with more of what you have that I might have more of you or experience more of you. Do more for you, experience more from you. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.